0: This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. With me in the studio today is Spencer Thibodeau, Portland City Councilor and Candidate for Mayor. Welcome, Spencer Thibodeau. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here with another Northeasterner. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, huskies are us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I did some research on your very interesting career, oh. and I thought since we're in sort of an identity politics phase i would just kind of briefly go down a few things sure. as far as i can tell yes you're um 30
1: i am 30 i turned 31 on march 18th
0: african-american yes male i'm biracial actually biracial yeah. okay african-american is the word used on your website Yep. Yeah. but okay biracial is thank you yeah. uh male mm-hmm. democrat yes millennial
1: yeah i guess i'm a millennial
0: yeah. 30 years old yeah Okay. Adopted by white parents mm-hmm. at three weeks. Uh,
1: that's correct. Yeah.
0: Lifelong Mainer.
1: Lifelong Portlander. Yeah.
0: And uh, so my question is, Are is your pronoun he?
1: <laughs> it is. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for asking that question. Not welcome. many. No one's ever asked me that before.
0: And it appears from your social media feed that you are heterosexual. Is that...
1: That's correct. Accurate? That's okay. correct, yes.
0: And uh, what about religion? Do you identify with any particular religion?
1: Yeah, I've always, I mean, I've been, you know, I was raised Catholic. And so, you know, like every good Catholic, I uh, go to Mass on uh, Christmas and Easter. And uh, and so, yeah, I'd say I identify Catholic.
0: Yeah, Christian. So you're, yeah. okay. Um, and what about... Um, really the most important, are you a dog person or a cat person? I'm a dog person, yeah, for sure, (laughs) without question. (laughs) Well, I think that's, in my view, um, that's promising. Yeah, right. (laughs) So you've been in um, city politics now for a while. You're in your second term as a city councilor. And you're running for mayor. I am.
1: I've been been involved for about four years, so I'm excited to to take this next step and uh, have this opportunity to run for mayor.
0: Now, I'm curious, have people said to you uh in your conversations have have they suggested that you're overly ambitious
1: you know no i mean i think look i I think my age certainly um has always been something that people ask me about you know I, i started practicing law when i was 25 and so when i'm on the other side of a deal no one asks me if i'm overly ambitious um you know look i think i've i've got a good record on the city council um my district District Two that I represented for four years um, demands results, and that's what I provide to that district. And you know, I, you know, I've never been. No one's ever asked me if I was overly ambitious, but uh, but I'm glad that uh, that you did ask the question.
0: <laughs> now, what about um, so you are running for mayor, and if you are successful, you'll have to give up your job at Barrel and Dana where you now work as Correct. a lawyer. right? Yeah. Now, is it fair to say that as a counselor you have to balance the competing interests sometimes of your clients and your constituents. Is that
1: you know that actually comes up less? It's come up less than I think people thought. You know, I think the attack line from my opponents when I first ran was that uh, I was going to have to recuse myself all the time and you know throughout the history of the council there have been a number of attorneys who have served Um, you know from my perspective I try to do my best in identifying those things early and so um,
0: do the positions of your business clients though inform your opinions about things generally
1: no I mean I'd say my, my life experience does I would say you know I I review the same materials my colleagues do. I meet with most of the same people my colleagues do, and I try to make the best decision I can based on the facts that we have in front of us for every single decision. Okay. But I think my, my legal background certainly prepares me to analyze things in a way maybe my colleagues wouldn't and maybe at a rate that my colleagues wouldn't, right? And so I think, I think that experience certainly helps.
0: Okay, where I'm going with this yeah. is what I was— um, exploring a little bit is whether if you became a full-time mayor if Mm -hmm. you might kind of go to the left a little bit like i think people have described you in the media Mm -hmm. sometimes as being conservative right (laughs) um, in the in the big scheme of things as a democrat right not conservative republican but a conservative democrat so do you think perhaps being mayor you're you're your politics might shift a little to the left or no?
1: I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know. I mean, my, you know, I've had this conversation my entire life. I've kind of felt like a bit of a chameleon, right? I've always been, uh, uh, you know, not black enough or, you know, too white or, you know, not conservative enough or, right? I, I, or too conservative, right? And so for me, that's not really the way that I, I do business. I mean, I'm in, I'm analytical. I analyze every situation as it comes forward. I feel like I've made decisions that um, are impactful for my district, but I I don't think I think at this job and at this level, the municipal level, people expect if if the sidewalk doesn't get plowed, people expect it to get plowed. They don't really care whether I'm a progressive, a Democrat, a Republican, or conservative. They just want it fixed. And so my job is to work with the manager, work with my colleagues, and get it done. That's yeah, but
0: I think I would say that the mayor um, isn't going to be out fixing the roads. The mayor is going to be like kind of isn't the mayor sort of the spokesperson for the council?
1: Uh the mayor is I think the chief marketer of the the council Mm -hmm. and of the city Um, I don't presume to speak for anybody and I think that is part of the problem with this current mayor Um, I think what I think what the council uh, and what the Charter sets forth is a proactive mayor a mayor who can uh, set some of the policy goals but really the success of the mayor derives from the success of the council that's how I've always approached the job that's not going to change if I'm elected mayor um, but from from a, you know, a constituent service standpoint, the mayor is also a full-time constituent service person. That's the job. And, you know, I deal with, on any given week, uh, you know, 50 items that people are looking to get fixed. And I understand that that's going to increase as a mayor. Um, but when the difference is, I think, is that I put those forward to the city manager he provides staff the update, and then he executes. And is I think that's what manager people are looking at.
0: Back, back you in this race?
1: I don't think the city manager is going to back anyone in this race. I think, I think that, first of all, I think that would be uh, improper. Um, but I think that certainly um, the issues that have been going on with this current mayor are well documented in the press. And um, you know, I think rightly so. The city council has pushed back um, uh, when this mayor goes rogue.
0: All right, setting aside Ethan Strimling for a second, because it doesn't seem like his rogueness has been much in the paper. That seems like yesterday's story. Sure. But we can talk about that later. But I want to talk a little bit about race. So you said um, that um, you described yourself as biracial. I am, yeah. Okay. Um, How has your race impacted your politics?
1: How has my race impacted my politics? I mean, I think— you know i'm not sure that it has um but i appreciate the question i don't think it honestly has i think you know race is something that i've dealt with at a young age tried to figure out who i was especially in a family that was different than me i have a sister who comes from a different family but she is also um, of mixed race as well biracial um my parents are white i think i grew up in one of the whitest states in the entire country um i went to uh, uh white uh, extremely um uh, uh a less diverse school than you know than you would go to in a new york city or a boston and then i went to law school in one of the most diverse law schools in the country and so I think, for me, I've never—I don't think race first. I mean, I think through the problem, that's what I'm elected to do.
0: Do you think that people use your race, though, in thinking about you? Like, for instance, why do you think you were picked for Governor Mills' transition team? You were of uh, one among 14 people chosen by the governor to serve on, a, on her— leadership transition team, which is an honor and a deserved one, I think. Right. But why do you think it, that is?
1: I think uh, I think it's to add perspective. I also think I was also the youngest person on the transition team by years, um, and by maybe 15 years, right? And so—
0: Wow. I hope Hannah Pinker uh, <laughs> for so long. She was the youngest of everything. <laughs> right. I mean, I think,
1: I think in this business, to be perfectly honest with you, and I think in politics generally speaking, I think— when you look at the demographics of the state i think it's cause for concern and i think you know going through that process uh, that i was honored to be a part of uh, with uh, governor mills i think what it showed us too was that you know we have some work to do on our bench um, and on making sure that we're training the next generation of people to fill these roles Um, and i think the governor identified that um, in some of the picks and i think we're setting ourselves up for a successful future. I think we've got to figure this out. I've heard ever since I was younger, Um, Older people tell me the reason why young people weren't coming back to the state of Maine. And to be perfectly blunt with you, I feel like none of these uh, folks have hit the nail on the head um, and figured it out, and figured out that it's housing, that it's careers, that it's uh, money from other states that is driving people to those states, and it's opportunity. Um, And we've got to create that here, and I think Portland is in a a unique place to actually create those opportunities. Um, and I think you're going to see us continue to execute on those Um, and if I'm elected mayor I've got uh, plans that I want to see put in place so that we can attract that next generation
0: so do you think uh, just getting back to my question about why you were chosen by the mills team what I'm wondering is is in a state that is as white as it is in a time when race is in the national discussion I mean it's part of our dialogue right now we're trying to understand and come to terms with race If, if, if I guess what I'm asking is, do you feel sometimes like you're the token black person on things?
1: (laughs) No, Actually, you know, I I used to joke uh, because I'd find myself in some, uh, you know, pamphlets in high school and college. Right. And uh, I used to joke, to be perfectly honest with you, I feel like um, You know people who are of a different ethnicity of different race and not just in politics but also in the legal profession I mean women for one I mean in the legal profession um, are you know are it that's something that's new and so I think look we've got some work to do about who we attract to the state Um, but to suggest that I think I was picked because I was black I mean that kind of ignores the rest of my resume which is Uh, A 30-year-old attorney who's been practicing for five years, who's overseen um, large land transactions throughout the entire country, um, who has worked for Barack Obama, who's worked for Shelley Pingree, who's worked on other campaigns, who's run twice successfully. I think uh, my record speaks for itself.
0: Who did you back in the 2016 Democratic primary?
1: I was a, a Cody person, actually.
0: Is in between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton? Oh, you're talking
1: about oh, for, yeah, the, the, uh, yeah, for the for yeah. the presidential. You know, I I supported uh, Hillary Clinton, um, and um, and that actually wasn't easy. I mean, there were still scars there from 2008, and you know, as I'm thinking through the current political framework that we have right now, I see, I understand the the. Angst and the anger that the folks who supported Bernie Sanders have. I think I probably would have felt the same way had Barack Obama lost that primary to Hillary Clinton, um, because Barack Obama was my guy, and uh, you know, and I wanted him to win. Um, but I think what we have to be careful about is. Um, Every action has uh, has a uh, uh, has a, a reaction, right? And uh, and I think the re- the what's occurred since that time has has something that the Russians exposed and have used it to divide us um, and continue to use it to divide us. And I think we're going to see that going forward.
0: Do you have a favorite candidate yet for twenty twenty?
1: <laughs> I have many. Can I just say that? Yeah, uh, Kamala. Go- I love Kamala. I'm so happy that she's running. I hope Beto runs. I hope. Joe Biden runs. Um, I'm really excited about um, Jay Inslee from Washington. I think he's uh, got a good issue. I think. Um, I'm not sure how competitive he'll be, but I think he may be running for vice president um, and uh, maybe focusing on that issue. So, you know, climate change is extremely important. Um, I'm really happy that Amy Klobuchar is running. Uh, you know, reports about her staff notwithstanding, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think all of these people have um, you know they're all professionals. They have a uh, they have a demand of the quality of work from folks who work for them, and you know, I'm excited that they're running. I honestly am.
0: Now, um, what about—let's talk about some of the, just the big issues when it comes to choice and women's reproductive health. What's sure. your position?
1: Sure. I'm, uh, I'm pro-choice. Um, I, you know, believe—I I, don't—as a policymaker, I don't—you uh, know, aside from, um, you know, uh, abortions late, 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 um, I think— I, I generally think that that is a decision between a, a doctor and um, and the patient. And what about
0: guns, gun rights? Do you support good. a background check, universal background check? Bill? So
1: I support I support background checks for sure. Um, you know, I, I think I've got I had some questions about how that's practically implicated as any policymaker would, but generally speaking, if I was asked the question, I would say, yeah, I support uh, background checks.
0: There's a bill now in Congress where our Congress people are divided. Mm -hmm. Congresswoman Pingree supports it. It's an extended background checks bill. And the newly elected congressman from the 2nd District, Jared Golden... Does not support it. Have you taken a position on that piece of legislation? I have not
1: taken a position on that piece of legislation.
0: Okay. Now, what about in Portland? Yeah, the let's issue, get to the Portland. Paid uh, sick leave. Yeah. Are you voting for or against paid sick leave?
1: So uh, I think there are a couple things uh, just from a process standpoint that are going to come up. I think the that will come forward to the full council. I have some questions about um, – I had some – let me just start out by saying that I didn't support what was initially proposed. I think that's really important. Um, but I do have – some questions about what has the final product from the committee?
0: Okay, but just so in case listeners are yeah. t- too in tune with the nitty gritty, yeah. when I'm talking about paid sick leave, what I'm referring to is the um, the policy idea in Portland. That yes, would I do. Um, so. That would so you'd get as an employee, you would get or you would earn one hour of sick leave for every thirty hours that you work, up to about forty hours or five days. Those are the general well, terms, as I understand it. Is that how you understand it? That, too? That's
1: how I understand this proposal. Okay. I think, I think, generally speaking, as a as a policy perspective, I support paid sick leave. As uh, I just described it. As you just described it, I've got some concerns about okay, how it's what accrued. Are your concerns? Yeah. I mean, I've I've got some general questions about how it's accrued. When it starts to accrue, um, there are different models across the country about you know whether it's sixty days, nine months. I mean, I, I've got some general questions about that. I've got some questions concerns about. Um, the businesses that are affected how big those businesses are
0: so are these negotiations that are taking place like as I understood from reading like the news that that some of the counselors were going to um, propose amendments to the policy to take into account either probationary period or some yeah. of these other um, yeah, I mean, questions. Yes, yeah, Are so you aware of that?
1: I'm aware of that. I think that there are going to be some questions about what's going on at the state level, to be honest with you. I mean, this is not just uh, that you've got, you know, something that the state might take up. This is something that the state is actively taking up yeah. as we're debating this issue. And so I'm aware of a number of different amendments. I think, you know, you're creating a brand new bureaucracy. Um, this is not Easy policy work. I mean, this is going to take us a little right, bit of time, right?
0: But it's not—it's not, it's not it like inventing the wheel either. I mean, it's been paid sick leave has now been implemented in like ten states and several right. cities, and the bill has been through the legislature several times. I mean, but just—I just want the record to be clear. And I know, yeah, for, for, out sure. of fairness to yeah. you, but the, the position, the the policy that has been debated in the newspaper of paid sick leave in Portland, the one yeah. I just described, yeah. where employers would be required to provide. An employee one hour of earned sick leave for every thirty hours worked, up to about forty hours or a week. Yeah. That's something you would not vote for today. That
1: is something. If if there was no other changes, that I would probably not support. Okay. Today. Yeah, I but think you- I think if if some of the concerns that I'm raising about uh number of employees of businesses affected when this accrues, um, I think we we can get there. But I think uh, if I, as I said before, that that's what came forward as the initial proposal, and I didn't support that.
0: Okay, what about the housing bond? Do you support the $7 million housing bond? No. Why? Um, well, first of all, just for listeners, quickly yeah. describe what it is. Yeah, so this is this
1: was a proposal that was put forward by the mayor, um, with uh, without any projects in mind, to essentially try to capitalize the housing trust fund with seven million dollars um, to be used uh, in public-private partnerships to create housing. And I think, from my perspective, we've identified. I'm on the housing committee. Um, we've identified a few other ways to do it um, by um not borrowing one uh, seven million dollars without any ideas of projects we're going to use this for or you know the kind of glossy um one one sheet that you get that says this is going to create 1100 units of housing it's quite frankly it's not Um, we've seen in our public-private partnerships with home funds um, that you don't need that much money to partner with um, folks who are looking to build affordable housing but i think just to be clear that to me actually the the question about whether we're gonna bond seven million dollars misses the mark about the diversity of our housing stock um... that we need to talk about we've got two and three unit uh, two and three bedroom apartments Um, But uh, we're not focusing on the folks who are actually taking those off the market when those folks, single folks, could be, you know, living in a 600 square foot micro unit um, that's workforce housing. And so we've got to talk about how we can diversify, create new housing, not just affordable housing, but also workforce housing so we can get to uh, and address some of the the issues um, that I talked about with maintaining and keeping our young population here
0: Are you going to try to get the Realtors Association to back you in the race? <laughs>
1: not, no, I'm <laughs> not <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, I don't think anyone actively sought uh, that endorsement
0: um, Okay, how about um, the uh, universal pre-K? Are you supportive of yes yeah, from public funding of universal pre from a
1: policy perspective I absolutely am I think you know that as with everything the devil is in the details and I think you know the uh, school board has brought forward an interest uh, three ways forward um, I know that they had a meeting earlier this week to kind of discuss those things and so I'm actually really excited for the proposal that's coming forward um, for us to debate I think the question is is how we fund it and how we make that work and I think it's about priorities
0: so. Where do you think the new shelter should be for Portland's homeless community?
1: Oh, man. Do I have unlimited funds? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. You don't, so, unfortunately. Uh, I think from a process perspective, I think we're ultimately— my preference would actually uh, for it to remain um, somewhere on the peninsula. Um, you know, I've, I, I think— Why? Um, because I think if we're not going to do more than one— Low barrier emergency shelters I think the, um, the effect of what we're causing by moving it off peninsula um, would uh, create, uh, would exacerbate the problem. I think people, I think there's a population that would utilize those services, and I think rightly so, if it were off peninsula. And I think they'd be better for it. Let me just be clear. Um, but I also think that there's another population that uses it out of convenience and that wouldn't go off peninsula to uh, seek those services and may end up sleeping in the park or at, you know, at, in somebody's doorstep. And I don't think that that's good policy either.
0: Now, um how about climate? I know you are on the transportation and sustainability. I chair it. Chair I chair it, the committee. Yes. Yeah. Um, and um, one of the um, council-backed plans is the power Portland, or, or I guess the plan is to power the city of Portland mm-hmm. operations with renewable energy by 2040.
1: Yeah, so that's uh, so that would be 100% clean renewable energy by 2040.
0: Okay, so yep. is that a resolution that's passed? That
1: has been passed. That was something I put forward um, uh, maybe two years ago um, to kind of get us on. We're starting our long- long-term climate action planning with the City of South Portland to address... Um, not just how uh, the change in climate affects both of our cities, but how we move people around, um, what we require as far as energy uh, efficiency for homes. Um, we're actually addressing this in a regional, comprehensive way for the first time, um, It's so, just really exciting.
0: So is that a, an aspiration or something that's enforceable? I mean, it's an aspiration to have the city operations powered by renewable energy by 2040. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay, so what... City operations, like all the school buses, that will no longer be school, diesel school fuel.
1: buses. Um, city plow trucks, um, city buildings. How we get electricity? Um, you know, our airport's actually doing a pretty good job of this already. But you know, what I tell people is, existing today, we don't. We're not quite at that point where we have the technology to have a plow truck that's run on electricity, right? Exactly. And, <laughs> and so, so that's so that's my point. But ten years ago, we didn't have the iPhone, and that that has completely changed. Not just how we use batteries, but also how we use technology. And so what I what I tell people is there are currently electric plow trucks. There are currently electric garbage trucks, but the technology isn't quite there yet. And I suspect within the next five or 10 years, we'll get there. What we need to do is we need to plan for those types of things. So those things are going to be more expensive. Um, the capital costs associated with those things are going to require us to plan, but we're going to basically, as we go through our capital improvements plan, where we replace these Um, mechanical um, uh, components of our fleet. Um, We are going to make targeted efforts to switch to electric vehicles, uh, switch to um, electric plow trucks, and switch to electric um, garbage trucks.
0: Well, I mean, all the power to you. haha. Yeah, Pun intended. (laughs) Um, What I can't help, though, thinking about is that windmill and Saco yeah. That this, you know, all all good intentions yeah. to incorporate clean energy principles in the public sphere, but it just seemed like the market forces weren't there, or. Something wasn't there, and it was a complete flop.
1: Well, can I, can I give you an example real quick? Sure. Right, right now, all of our police cruisers are uh, powered by gas, right? And uh, we don't have a hybrid uh, cruiser in our fleet at all. And, you know, since I've been on the council, that question has come up repeatedly, year after year. Are we there yet? Can we have—can uh, we change? These cars are on all the time, um, and they are beat up, and they are running, right? And so um, and so, this, this is the first year, this year, that we will have— Uh, in the field tested two hybrid police cars. Um, which what will- What brand? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I would assume, huh. I would assume most of Hopefully them are Ford. it's a Tesla. Most of them are Fords, honestly. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but, but this is the first time that the technology has actually gotten there where it makes sense. Before, it was just so expensive that it didn't make any sense. So that's what I'm saying. Even in that four-year period from when I started, uh, this technology didn't quote-unquote exist yet in a, in a cost-effective way. But it, it now exists, and we're getting ready to take a pretty big leap here.
0: All right. Do you support the the voting rights in municipal elections for non citizens? <sighs> um,
1: so I support um, I support voting in. I support. I actually supported the idea of it. I want to be clear about that. Um, I was very public about supporting it. I wanted to make sure it worked. Um, that was brought. That proposal that came forward in Portland was actually brought forward within a two week period. Um, there was no time for uh, actually to alleviate some of the concerns that even the ACLU had and so I told Councilor Ali uh, we actually referred that to committee last fall that I would work with him and support him in getting us to that point I think what we'll probably see happen um, is that for school elections I would think that we'd probably move forward on that particular piece I don't see why um, uh, a population that has almost half of the students in our, I think it's like 40% now, um, uh, why they would have no say in kind of the budget that goes along with schooling their kids.
0: Because they're paying taxes. They're paying taxes. <laughs> they, I mean, they're
1: sending their kids here. They're I mean, here legally. Quite frankly, without... Um, these these new Mainers, uh, you know, uh, a lot of our schools would be closed down. And so, I mean, that is, I mean, that's, those are facts that everyone agrees on. I mean, that's not, um, that's not a controversial comment. It's just wasn't this the reality. Wasn't the concern,
0: was, sorry to interrupt, wasn't yeah. the concern that was raised late in, or not that late, but wasn't yeah. the concern raised about the proposal is that uh, by some advocates for immigrants is that it would actually expose People to more danger by a rabid federal ICE. Well, I mean, immigration I, well, I mean,
1: just from uh, just from the perspective of whether we're going to document document uh, voting lists of uh, folks who aren't legally here, I definitely have concerns about that um, and express those to both Pius and the mayor. Um, When this proposal came out within two weeks, so I don't think it was raised late at all But I think I think I also had concerns about the actual act of voting and how we were gonna There was no real plan to implement this process without Assuring us that somebody could be out there unknowingly committing a voting violation, right? And uh, and that to me is not a tenable I want I want if this is going to happen I want it to be successful and uh, I don't think the, the questions were unreasonable.
0: All right, last question, mm-hmm. and it's a big one. Yep. Do you have any regrets going on the Tucker Carlson show? <laughs> no. no. Carlson, is it Tucker Carlson? Tucker Carlson? Carlson? Yes, I have, on Fox
1: News. I have no regrets. I mean, you, you, uh, you, you are prepared for what that is. You know, um, I actually have had um, colleagues from around the country. I'm part of the Young Elected Officials Network had colleagues from around the country go on Sean Hannity or other shows and I was to be perfectly honest with you I was prepared for the ridiculous questions that were gonna be asked I mean that's the framework with within which that show um, exist I will say I was surprised that I got some very nice emails I also got some very uh, I mean people would take the time to look me up on the website and send me emails or tweet at me Right um, some racist some friendly some I mean it, it, This is the nature of the the realm of, of Political yes. theater these days the price <laughs> you pay To raise your profile right well, it's, I,
0: it's it is a price to pay to, to be raise honest, your profile To be
1: honest with you uh, that show actually reached out to a number of who didn't want to do it. And so I said, yeah. okay well, can,
0: can you understand why? <laughs> I mean, I think— What's the point? What do you think— what purpose is served by like by someone like yourself going on that show?
1: I think the purpose that I served was, you know, that, that individual, Tucker, was going to try to say that the city of Portland was, you know, not focusing on uh, things that actually matter, was going to try to find someone to race bait. I mean, that is the—that's by myself going on there and saying, Actually, we spent about forty-five minutes on this resolution, and uh, and uh, this is not what the city of Portland is actually focusing its time on. I understand it's politically convenient for you to talk about it. Um, I think that we're well served. I also, I don't, I don't say no to going on anyone's show. I think the questions, I mean, are fair or not, um, that's. That's the he's the press, right? I mean, he's he's part of the press. Some would some would question whether Fox News is part of the press. They're part of the press for all intents and purposes, and I don't mind going wherever I've got to go to answer the questions that people want to ask.
0: Well, Spencer Thibodeau, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. If someone wants to get a hold of you or learn more about your exciting campaign, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, uh, spencerformayor2019 at gmail.com, but also www.spencertibodeau.com is where they can find out more information. Hope they check it out. Twitter at uh, spencerformayor2019, I think, and uh, on Facebook. So just search us.
0: Well, great. Thanks so much, and good luck.
1: Thank 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 you.